Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS on air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is on special assignment in the Rio Grande Valley. Today, she'll be back with us next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. Uh, But that won't stop us. I'm flying solo, and what a special treat. Uh, Delight to welcome our regular Take 10 co-host, Dr. Jamie Heisman. He's talking to us from his studio in Florida Uh, Dr. Heisman is a licensed clinical social worker, a psychologist who spends a lot of time uh, helping folks with addictions and working with caregivers as well. Uh, He's been part of an effort across this country to create a meaningful public-private partnership by bringing incorporating partners and others who work together and provide help for those who have medical needs, especially the elderly. He spent a lot of years in broadcasting, and we are Just thrilled to have him here. We'll have a chance to talk about his book as well, Take Your Oxygen First. Dr. Jamie Heisman, welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. Uh, You're usually the tail end of our shows, and here you are at the top. At the tail end. What a way to refer to me. Well, you got promoted. uh, (laughs) I certainly did. I appreciate it. You know, Ron, doing a show with you is... uh, is a highlight certainly of my week. So let's let's rock and roll. I look forward to it. Well, I love doing the show we did regularly down in Florida called Aging Well, which was a kick, and it's a pleasure to have you here on Caregiver SOS on air. Talk to us about take your oxygen first. And anybody who has flown on an airplane has heard that said by flight attendants. You know, over the years, when I was thinking about this book and bringing in our, my co-authors we had the hardest time struggling with what would actually allow this book to fly off the shelf. I mean, if we mention the word caregiver, it obviously wasn't a sexy thing. Um, Caregivers, for some odd reason, have been marginalized over the years. Uh, In fact, uh, many would claim that programmatically and system-wide across the country, they've been fairly neglected. So we couldn't actually put it around that. So we figured let's do something else. Let's create a metaphor a metaphor of how we get people's attention who have actually flown on an airplane. And so when Dr. Rosemary Laird, my co-author, came to me and said, what do you think a a good name for this is? Um, I said, how about take your oxygen first? Because I had just landed from a a, a long airfare. Uh, I remembered looking at the the stewardess um, and the steward, actually, both of them on the flight, and they said, Take your oxygen first, which was actually a metaphor for rather than necessarily help the person next to you first, um, you take the oxygen. Because if you don't, the absolute end result is both of you may perish. That's a good point. And when it comes to caregiving, (laughs) most caregivers don't take the oxygen first. No, it's so true, Ron. In fact, it's exactly what they don't do. There's a huge sort of um, phenomenon in caregiving, which is martyrdom. I don't know if anybody is as enthralled with the the DC comic uh, television show Gotham. I love it. I just so love it. But every week there's another superhero, and 
somehow or another, when I was working with um, researchers on this book up in Canada, they had what was called a superhero campaign, which literally showed caregivers jumping into a telephone booth, coming out with their full uniform and their cape, um, and, and having a letter on their on their chest. And I couldn't think of anything more unhealthy in the entire world than being a superhero, dedicating your life to everybody around you. And, and who is actually helping you, the superhero? You know, that's a pretty good point. I, I have, as, as you have, you got one little kid, I got three little kids. They love dressing as superheroes. They do. Yeah. We do this at an early age. I mean, this sort of socialization is something that we ingrain in people. In fact, Ron, you know, work, if you will, um, across the country, and I think it doesn't matter what work you come from, whether you're, you know, automotive or you're in the clinical world, um, you're seeing more and more reinforcement by companies to say, look, the, co- the, the, the job comes first. It can't be you. In fact, what we've taken is, a, is an idea and made it what I call institutional sort of codependency, whereby everybody seems to see that the job is first and external validation is first. And actually thinking of life as meaning or being present comes second. Uh, and, and yet... When it comes to caregiving, uh, the tendency is you pour your heart, you pour your soul into it, uh, and you never ask for help, you never reach out. So why don't we begin with some of the issues you tackle in Take Your Oxygen First? And really, I think one of the most powerful ones is exactly that. Knowledge is power. Yes, knowledge is power. That's very, very clear. Look. Caregiving hits us like a two-by-four. Nobody's expecting to be a caregiver. Um, all of a sudden, you find out a loved one or somebody you're caring for is, is, is diagnosed with a disease, and literally, oh, that's when you become a caregiver. It comes by surprise if you're not um, biologically, psychologically, and socially ready. If you don't have your legs on the ground and balanced, um, then you're hit. You're hit from all sides. And so knowledge being power is that, You must learn first about the condition you're dealing with. It's very, very critical. And when I make a a referral to a client, I often ask them to go to the actual foundation that deals specifically with that disease or with that uh, clinical issue. Because, you know, first thing you want to do is learn everything you can about the condition your loved one has so that when red flags pop up, uh, you don't feel like you're lost in the sauce. You don't have to look different ways. Um, this energy around knowledge and power then allows you to find the proper resource to help your loved one. And I think that's going to be the critical element of what we're going to talk about I and mean, about the book is you just do not want to do this alone. Now, hold that thought. I want to remind folks who've just joined us, I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman, who is our special guest today. You hear him on Take 10 on Caregiver SOS On Air. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is on special assignment in the Rio Grande Valley. So Dr. Heisman and I are flying uh, together on this show today on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. And one of the interesting things I had mentioned to you off the air, uh, you did something several years ago when you prepared this book that the New York Times has recently written about. You actually spent time tracking someone diagnosed with uh, dementia and ultimately Alzheimer's and followed them along that path. We did. The original purpose of the book, Ron, was neurological disorders, family caregivers of 
Parkinson's, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, frontal, uh, frontal uh, temporal lobar, uh, lobar dementia. FTD. Um, yeah. Crutefield-Jacob uh, disease. Everything that you could possibly imagine neurologically was our concern. And looking at how the caregivers responded to that was our concern. But there was no better experiential way to be able to explain this to readers than to literally follow a family, uh, the actual patient, their loved one, their children, and everybody through this entire process from being in the home to being in the assisted living, skilled nursing, and even the passing of the loved one too. And so this was the best way to experientially sort of convey these concepts of, of knowledge is power or how to take care of yourself and what to watch for, et cetera. And when you talk about caring for yourself and caring for your loved one, uh, one of the top points you make is the caregiver has to care for the caregiver's body. Oh, absolutely. Um, we have to be educated, empowered, and energized. And the only way we as caregivers can do that is to really have a, a laser focus on our own selves, our own bodies, if you will. Um, it's so critical to carve out time for, let's say, exercise or for things that stimulate the body, um, and also, though, this is, a remember, and always remember, a three-legged stool. So the body is the first part. Um, you know, the psychology of ourselves, the psyche, if you will, is the second part. And the third part is also, after that, is looking after your social selves, because isolation seems to be what I call the cancer of the caregiver's soul. In fact, we had a guest on last week on Caregiver SOS on air, uh, Professor Sharona Hoffman from Case Western Reserve University, who talked about while there's tremendous interest and desire to age in place, uh, often that leads to incredible lack of social involvement. They become very isolated. Oh, and there's nothing worse than that, Ron. It's a self-engrossing sort of extraordinarily detached feeling. Um, and especially as you grow older, and there's different cultures that handle it different ways. I would say the African Americans, Asian Americans, Latinos, they do a fabulous job of developing the extended family and, and making sure somebody is as isolated as little as possible. Um, unfortunately, as we've seen through some research, the Anglo population somehow is often detached and their loved one may be in another setting or they, they, they may be in a long-distance relationship. But as we're on the subject now, as knowledge being power, really ultimately the end of the chapter and what the chapter was about is if knowledge is a part of ourselves and, and dealing with our loved one, uh, you can get closer to your loved one. You can connect better with professionals out there. You can learn the facts and the options that you have. You can actually plan ahead when you know this knowledge. And most importantly, and this is to your point uh, in dealing with mind, body, and soul, is stay calm and focus no matter what is thrown at you. But how do you do that? That sounds great. Well, it is important to understand that what goes into that is not only the knowledge we get, not only the connection to the places that actually give us this knowledge, which is places like the Alzheimer's Association, Parkinson's Association, the Area Agency on Aging, uh, those are critical. But also this, what you said, is that the next part of our book was called Caring for the Caregiver's Body, is to actually exercise, take care of yourself, stay invigorated, do things like Tai Chi, like yoga, like water exercises. This is something that also brings you in contact with others in a social situation. And, and to be honest with you, there's nothing more important than a caregiver staying socially connected. 
And sometimes it takes effort to do that. Well, it is. It's really counterproductive. In fact, caregiving is uh, is an issue that with 90 million caregivers out there, and that includes the parents of special needs kids, um, there's been lack, a terrible lack of, of, of programs that have been directed towards them. In fact, I look at America and I say, what is the two most you know, pervasive issues that we have no education about? And one is parenting. You know, we have to learn it on the fly, on the job training. And the other is caregiving. And yet these two are natural uh, issues of life. But when we get to them, we literally have few clues except some books at Barnes & Noble. All right, stay with us just a minute. We'll talk more with Dr. Jamie Heisman on Caregiver SOS On Air. Remember, podcasts of all of our shows are available. Uh, just simply go to caregiversos.org and Google in podcasts, and you will find the shows that we have done, and they are available for download, available to share with friends and neighbors, and for you to uh, keep in your podcast library on iTunes or whatever service you may use. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Jamie Heisman is with us. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is on special assignment in the Rio Grande Valley. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it, uh, with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But that. I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio and get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikhoff, we come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. You know, that's pretty interesting. Sunday late afternoon on 9.30 a.m., The Answer, two hours of medical health and caregiver uh, programming. WellMed Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. And then Caregiver SOS on air from 6 to 7 p.m. right here on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment in the Rio Grande Valley. And with us today on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline, Dr. Jamie Heisman, you hear him on Take 10, uh, which ends each of our Caregiver SOS on-air shows. And so it's really a pleasure to have more time with him. And we have carved it out of his incredibly busy schedule uh, doing public affairs and government work for WellMed Medical Management down there in Florida and elsewhere. He also uh, does uh, TV work for United Healthcare. You are one busy guy, Dr. Jamie. I don't know, it might sound more busy than it actually is, but I'm very grateful. I'm grateful to be able to do things that, that you know, enhance, if you will, uh, a meaning in life. And, and if you can do that, um, you're blessed and you should be grateful. Uh, and, you know, as we talked about also caring for the caregiver's body, right. uh, I don't want to really not mention my co-author, Dr. Rosemary Laird. You know, I learned so much from Dr. Laird. She's a geriatrician, um, fabulous one, and she uh, lives in Melbourne, Florida. And um, she taught me so much about why caregivers need to eat well and, and, and learn about nutrition and have a healthy diet. Um, this is things that, again, if you have low self-esteem or you don't 
care about yourself, let's say, and caregivers often make themselves subordinate, then things like whole grains and dietary oils and vitamins and going out and find out about your nutrition um, is not going to be in your wheelhouse. And so these issues about eating well and having brain fitness and, and having good sleep um, are critical. And Dr. Laird taught me most everything I knew. You know, Ron, giving birth is equivalent to, I think, writing a book. And it took <laughs> us about three and a half years to do this. And I hate to say that because I'm sure every woman in the audience feels I'm absolutely uh, uh, making making fun of it. Um, but I'm not. To me, it, the giving birth actually to this book was tortuous. Um, I had never done a book. This was my first book. And I followed up by several other um, contributions in other books. But Dr. Laird was really responsible for being the conductor of the orchestra and being able to help us from a medical side. So I think it's also metaphorical that you should always have a physician like Dr. Laird. I think you should always have a psychologist or social worker, if you will, kind of, you know, like me. I think you also should have financial, you know, resources in hand, and we can go on and talk about the other needs. But do not do this alone is the ultimate, ultimate message I want to send. And we can segue from that into the whole issue of caring for the caregiver's mind. What is meant by that? That's huge, Ron. I mean, let's face it. There's not much we can do if we're dealing with our own clinical depression. And many people do have not just biochemical depression, but situational depression. And if you have a biochemical genetic predisposition to depression, there's nothing like caregiving or perceived loss or perceived grief or actually losing a loved one, which will not kick in that depression or that anxiety. So I felt caring for the caregiver's mind was one of the most essential parts of this book, because I don't think you can actually be effective in any way, shape, or form if you're battling depression, if you're battling anxiety, um, if you're, you know, your stress is off the, the scale and you have no idea about stress management techniques. How do you manage the anxiety? And so if you cannot get a hold of this or get in front of this train as it leaves the station, I don't think you're doing any service for your loved one. I mean, they too want hope. They're suffering from a chronic or terminal illness. They have fear. They don't want to be in the presence of somebody that's not feeling stable and put together well. So caring for the caregiver's mind was a a particular part of this book, which I, I felt was like the heart and soul of it. And for the caregiver who is feeling... Uh, terribly overwhelmed. I can remember uh, when my mom and dad were alive, uh, he had uh, dementia, Alzheimer's. Mom was uh, his full-time caregiver, and there was no question uh, she was depressed. And then after he died, she was really depressed. And I can remember uh, me living here in San Antonio, she and Cleveland, my brother, uh, Jim, who's a PhD psychologist like you, very knowledgeable, uh, tried to uh, to get her help, and, and ultimately, because she came from the generation where you didn't talk to therapists, uh, she kind of worked her way out of it, but could have done so much better if she'd talked to somebody. Absolutely, and I think that's another uh, great segue into the concept of support groups. Um, because of the isolation is a cancer of the caregiver's soul, and also for the care receiver's soul, if you will. There's plenty of programs out there. Um, not connecting with a support group is, is tantamount to one of the worst things you could possibly do as a caregiver. Um, there you do learn about 
the non-stigmatization, if you will, of your depression and anxiety. There you'll talk to caregivers about maybe medication that they're currently on for their own depression. Uh, many will share with you that they have a therapist who understands geriatric concerns, who's very skilled with um, you know, senior issues. And, and, and many there will also be inspirations in the support group to deal with lifestyle changes. And at the end of the day, lifestyle changes are critical. And that leads to the skill set building, if you will, of stress management techniques. Now, before you get to that, tell us what you mean by lifestyle changes. Well, let's face it. We're coming again very much in a a way that that caregiving usually surprises us. So uh, we've been fairly automatons, fairly much automatons in our own lives, uh, somehow doing this in, in an unconscious way, going to work. Um, taking care of ourselves, managing all these issues around us that are very, very difficult. And to, to be honest with you, our lifestyle changes is probably one of the most critical issues to, to deal with, is to have a new perspective on life. Um, one of the things I'd love to bring up here, and I think it's a great time to, is that our new work, our, I think it's quite innovative, uh, dealing with mindfulness and, um, and caregiving. Um, I know you have incredible people that you interview on this show, and and Dr. Barry Jacobs is uh, with the ARP, and he himself has just written a wonderful book on mindfulness and caregiving. So a lifestyle change may be that. Maybe we add the practice of yoga. Maybe we add the practice of meditation. Um, maybe we do add a therapist to our lives. Um, these are all lifestyle changes that if you're going to be a caregiver, will reinforce you, will empower you, and will allow you to remain present. Is it something you can self-learn, or, or do you need someone to guide you through? Well, self-learning is tough, Ron. You know, we, send, we tend to get into ruts. Uh, the caregiving role has us in a sense of fear, and what do I do next? Um, I do think we need what's called clinically corrective emotional experiences, and that's really other people. Those people may come from um, just meeting somebody on the street who you relate to or a good friend who's gone through this, or, as I mentioned, joining a support group, which is a a fabulous, fabulous sort of place that you can almost germinate these new skills and and watch people uh, try it on their own. Because I think there's nothing like, I know the first part of the book was, was about education and knowledge, but there's nothing like experiential sort of work that brings real knowledge um, below the neck. I mean, we can cut ourselves off, and many caregivers do, uh, from the neck to the top, by just educating themselves, reading book, reading book, reading book, and none of this ever really helps until you experientially, experientially understand why lifestyle changes and stress management techniques work. And the only way you can really do that is by being in the presence of mm-hmm. others who have actually gone through this process. Now, the book Dr. Jamie Heisman, our guest, is referring to is Take Your Oxygen First, we're delighted to talk with Jamie. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is on special assignment of the Rio Grande Valley. I'm Ron Aaron. As we talk with Dr. Jamie Heisman, remind you that at the end of each of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs, uh, he joins us for Take 10, where we toss around an interesting issue uh, that affects caregivers and families in our society. Uh, when, when you talk about, Dr. Jamie, uh, taking care of our mind, uh, how does that segue into taking care of our spirit? Well, that's a great question, and I'd like to get to the spirit in a minute or two, but I don't want to forget the fact that 
the caregiving for the caregiver's mind is also dealing with overcoming denial and guilt. Guilt seems to be pandemic within the caregiving population. And guilt, as we've seen psychologically, is often correlated with, with self-esteem, which means the higher the self-esteem, usually the lower the guilt, and the lower the self-esteem, the higher the guilt. But caregivers, as a caregiver for, as a caregiver for the mind, and this is certainly a, 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 an introduction to leading to the spirit, um, suffer from denial. They suffer from a ton of guilt. They also suffer from powerlessness, wishing that they had some sort of input or control, if you will, about the disease itself that their loved one has. And so I often see that conquering guilt is, is a, something that we need a therapist to, to help us with. I really believe uh, that the caregiver mind, which does segue into your question about the spirit, is having a place to really process this, to have a, a person who's trained in geriatric care management and senior issues and caregiving issues. They can all be accessed on places like Psychology Today or through the Area Agency on Aging. But I do believe that guilt, if you will, and denial are things that need to be clinically processed. And so if you ever really want to get to this place called caregiver spirit, you have to deal with that, and you have to manage your anger better. And then a, a therapist, psychologist, social worker, coach, somebody there can really assist you because anger seems to block us. And never forget that anger turned inward is depression, and anger turned outward is sometimes really has terrible results with the loved one we're trying to take care of. So if you don't attend to this issue, and this is why I say it's the heart and soul of the book, Caring for the Caregiver's Mind, you really have a tough time caring for the caregiver's spirit. But that is a natural next step. All right, well, stick with us a minute. I want some examples of how that guilt manifests itself. What are caregivers saying? Uh, what is it, the guilt that they're feeling? And, and is guilt a natural a phenomenon of just being a human being. We'll find out more from Dr. Jamie Heisman on Caregiver SOS on air. We are so pleased you've joined us on Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host Carol Zernial is on special assignment in the Rio Grande Valley. And we are talking today with Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known psychotherapist and expert on addictions and caregiving. Uh, he joins us at the end of every one of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs for our Take 10 segment. And we've been fortunate to be able to co-opt his time today uh, talking about his book, Take Your Oxygen First, and what that means in terms of caring for yourself and your care recipient. So, Dr. Jamie, you were talking about you got to handle the guilt, manage the guilt, get around the guilt before you can get to the caregiver spirit. Uh, what is it that's said that shows guilt? What if I only had done this, then this could have occurred. Uh, if I only maybe had taken my loved one in for a diagnostic assessment uh, three months ago, uh, maybe this would not be happening. Um, if I had paid more attention to my loved one and their needs, then right. this could have been done. These are all the what, what ifs and should ofs and could ofs that caregivers do in their self talk. And Ron, as you deal with the caregiver mind or you deal with depression or anxiety, this is all about these sort of negative um, thoughts that we have. And we get into this sort of shame spiral, the spiral that we get sucked into a place where our thoughts 
become our determinant of our personality. Uh, one, that's one of the reasons, again, now I'm dedicating much more of my time to mindfulness and dealing with caregivers in that respect, because what mindfulness allows us to do is to get out of these deep emotions that have been socially sort of ingrained in us uh, through our family and allow us to get more present and to be here now. So you look at the big, big picture of all this and say, you know, all this is, is insurmountable. Yes, maybe it's all um, powerless over. But literally, if I just take time to meditate for 10 or 15 minutes a day, I can get a handle on it. I can get a perspective on it. I can now not instead deal with the self-talk of guilt and denial, but I can also nourish my spirit in, in a very caring way. And this shame spiral uh, that you mentioned, it's a pretty interesting term, uh, keeps repeating itself? Oh, it does. It just becomes like the bane of our existence, Ron. Um, it's really, as I watch my own clients and, and others uh, I work with over the years, um, our mind is a magnet for some of our old thoughts as our, you know, during our childhood. And we have some negative messages, many neg- negative messages, and not really the best role examples sometimes in our families. And so we get ingrained in these thoughts, and, and we feel this lower self-esteem already and this powerlessness that comes with caregiving, and we just stay fixed there. And what is the worst thing we could possibly do, again, to ingrain this in our mind is to stay isolated. And that is so much why social social events, social efforts, getting your family out, getting people to interact, doing innovative things, allow us to get out of this shame spiral. But please, 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 I do not want to, you know, underestimate the power of a good therapist. And whether you have Medicare or commercial insurance or managed care, there is a provision in behavioral health that if you find yourself a, a caregiver, you may need a quarterback or at least somebody, a colleague, to help you, to meet you where you're at and to get you through this process of, of denial and guilt and managing your anger. That's good advice because often folks who are uh, in the midst of that think there's no way out. They don't. It's a hopelessness, and that's followed by a helplessness. And since that isolation is there, um, they really don't see any way out, Ron. Um, and we can all identify that. I mean, I'm a therapist, but I see a therapist every week as well. Experientially for myself, I've gotten attached to negative thoughts, and those negative thoughts have brought me down. And it's so critical to get out of your own thoughts, out of the, hmm. this own tunnel of hell, and have somebody reflect your psyche back to you. And somebody also reflect back that there are techniques like uh, therapy, like mindfulness, like coaching, that then will bring somebody in to reflect your psyche back and to uh, be able to see things that you cannot see when you're in the shame spiral. It's a shame that uh, too many uh, health insurance plans uh, restrict and limit the amount of uh, care available to see a therapist. Maybe true, but I would really push if I was anybody. The advocacy is a huge part of caregiving. And now that we have parity laws, which means that mental health needs to have the same um, handling as medical health, I would push and push and push with your behavior, with your medical provider to provide equivalent um, mental health uh, services. I think you're, you're entitled to it. I think now the essential health benefits uh, around the Affordable Care Act uh, mandate it. And I would not stop. Just this is an advocacy issue. He's Dr. Jamie Heisman. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. 
On 9.30 a.m., The Answer, Carol Zerniel, our co-host on Special Assignment of the Rio Grande Valley, and we were talking with Dr. Jamie about Take Your Oxygen First, a book dealing with uh, tracking a patient with uh, Alzheimer's and looking at how the caregiving can intersect, interact, and be more effective for both the caregiver and the care recipient. So uh, segue with us now into the caregiver spirit. Yes. The most important part probably here, which is your family spirit and your own spirit. And this is things that bring you out of this dark, cavernous sort of shame spiral or these negative thoughts you're thinking about. Um, I develop programs. I, I just love experiential programs, and I love intergenerational programs. Intergenerational programs are when you have, let's say, your grandmom, your mom, your dad, and your children all involved in fabulous sort of models, if you will, and tools that help for family connection. Um, this really is critical. I, I love scrapbooking. I think that's a great thing that families can do together. I, I do believe that journaling is very, very important and brings you out of your own head and brings you, you know, an ability to kind of dump this, if you will, in writing. So I, I have this these... picture of you, Dr. Jamie, sitting at your dining room table with Elmer's glue, cardboard, and all kinds of photos, clippings, and what have you, pasting them together with your daughter. Well, th that's wonderful, because she's much more creative than I am, and I definitely think that uh, she's already on the road to, to teaching me all of that. But oh, that's I, cool. I see it's a powerful phenomenon, because my child and I do connect over these type of projects. I even created a program called Memory Television, which I thought was a, a wonderful program that allowed people to write scripts, like journaling, and develop a whole set design behind them, and have kids and have moms and dads and have parents ask each other questions um, about their lives. And to videotape it, it's just a wonderful sort of thing to have for years to come to remember your loved one and to remember the process around the caregiving of your loved one. You know, the interesting thing uh, with technology today, almost everybody has a smartphone that has a camera and a video camera built into it. Uh, I've got some old 8mm films with just a few snippets of my mom and dad in them. Uh, today, uh, if you don't create some of what you're talking about, Dr. Jamie. Shame on you, because you can uh, get on videotape, uh, on digital, uh, anyone in your family if you want. Gosh, you're so right. And um, especially when your family has come through some tough times, depression. My family are Holocaust survivors, and uh, and certainly they have a story to tell when they want to tell it. But you're right. The, the miracles of modern technology allow us to do this much, much more. And so I also I believe, too, that this is a really meaningful part of a spiritual practice, is to honor your elders, that this is a society, unfortunately, that sometimes marginalizes them. And these efforts around caregiving for the caregiver spirit, for the family spirit, for the caree spirit, are about finding meaning in your life, um, about accepting things that we cannot change, you know, having the courage to change the things we can and, and the wisdom to know the difference. But... Um, Finding meaning in caregiving is really a fabulous sort of corrective way to say, um, A, um, this is a rough job, somebody has to do it, but what have I learned? How can I actually become aware, transform my life, and find self-love in the process? How involved, aware, and uh, committed are today's politicians 
at the federal and, and state level. You spend time as a government affairs, public affairs person. Uh, you spend time with some of the presidential candidates. You never hear the word caregiver. You don't, not until it hits their own home. And when it hits their own home, I get calls from them or I get calls from their staff members because they know that this is an extraordinarily important issue for me. Look, logistically, I think we've done a disservice. Um, in terms of the Affordable Care Act, it left long-term care out and dealt with more primary and acute care. And when it did that, it kind of also left caregivers out, Ron, and, and it also relegated long-term care, if you will, to caregivers, assuming that the caregivers would take care of this issue as opposed to the health care system. And so literally today, and this is not uh, at all minimizing it, caregivers provide 400 to $500 billion of in-kind care that if they stop tomorrow, literally stop tomorrow doing that, our entire health care system would collapse. So I don't think we've, we've codified it. I don't think we've talked about it enough. I don't think we have provided legally enough in terms of our own legislation. And so we have a lot of work to do because a lot of the issues are all become not just the disease of the loved one, but become the family disease. And it really is like a pinball game that ricochets to everybody. But when you bring up these issues uh, with decision makers, do their eyes glaze over? Once again, it glazes over until it happens to your family. Right. I mean, right. take the case of Alzheimer's in our in our country. It was all some you know nebulous, amorphous concept until Ronald Reagan was actually diagnosed with it. Correct. And all of a sudden, it became very, very personal. And I believe caregiving in and of itself is the great equalizer. Whether you're a candidate for president, the president, or whether you're a person who lives next door to me, I think you're going through the same things. The the difference may be the resources you have to actually implement it. Well, if you have financial resources, uh, you can get the Correct. kind of backup help that makes a huge difference and makes the job of the primary caregiver a lot easier. You can get help in to clean the house. You can get help in to help with bathing and changing uh, uh, the care recipient and, and all of those uh, parts that happen as people spiral down. I agree with you totally, Ron, and, and it is a, a really an equity of our social uh, life here in, in America. But I also believe that you should not give up on the resources that are out there, that groups like um, the Area Agency on Aging, or which you can go to as www.eldercare.gov. Or .gov, um, right. That, yeah, groups like that really do have resources, and the resources they don't have, they will turn you on to them. They are basically a part of Health and Human Services located in about seven to 800 communities, and simply because we don't have the financial resources doesn't mean those resources don't exist. Certainly, there may be a waiting list, but you will get direction. So, so reach out. Reach out whether you have the resources or not, uh, because this is what a lot of the senior agencies have are the resources you need. Well, we're going to shift gears in a moment and go to Take 10 with you, Dr. Jamie Heisman. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our regular co-host, is currently on special assignment in the Rio Grande Valley. She'll be back next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. For folks who want to learn more and perhaps get in touch with you, Dr. Jamie, uh, what is your website? Well, they can go to www.drjamie.com, which is D-R-J-A-M-I-E.com. There's certainly an email they can get me at. Uh, they can certainly get me through WellMed Medical Management, which I believe, and I must say this before we end, um, through the WellMed Charitable Foundation and, and Carol and Deb and 
and Laura and the entire team have created one of the greatest foundations I've seen around the country that really honor caregivers and puts real concrete solutions out there for them. So um, I think if you go to the Charitable Foundation, they can direct you to me, cool. or if you go to my website, I'm more than happy to, to respond. Pick you up in a minute on Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron on 930 AM, The Answer. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues. We've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it uh, with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But that. I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio. And get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikhoff, we come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Thank you so much for joining us for Take 10. At the end of each of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs, we bring you Take 10 with Carol Zerniel, our co-host, who is on special assignment today, won't be with us. But Dr. Jamie Heisman is here, a nationally known psychotherapist and uh, dealings with caregiving as well. And uh, I'm Ron Aaron. So, Jamie, anybody, I happen to be 74. Uh, You show me someone who's 60, 65, 70, 75, 80, every one of us worried about, deadly afraid of Alzheimer's disease or another form of dementia. And the minute you forget something, that's it, man. You got it. I so agree. In fact, I remember um, when I used to work with MetLife and the foundation I was with, it it went back to people really at 55 years old who dread getting Alzheimer's more than any other disease. Um, You know, after cancer maybe at that time, but I think even now it's surpassed cancer. And I think that you know, almost 90% of people were aware of the disease, but they really know little or nothing about it. So the first thing somebody wants to do if they have this unbelievable fear is to be educated, get, you know, get this knowledge. The Alzheimer's Association is a wonderful, wonderful organization that can help initially. I mean, there's, there's literally, Ron, 100 types of dementia. Um, and some are actually uh, irreversible, but most are not. I mean, and most are irre- uh, most are reversible because they depend upon la- on um, you know head injury or trauma or medication. So the most important thing is get information. This is really the critical first step because, as you know and I know, fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear is false evidence appearing real, and that often gets to. Uh... Uh, phobias and panic attacks that people have. Absolutely. And then when somebody has head injury or, or you know, brain tumors or pressure in their brain and somehow or another, or even alcoholism for, for one, um, people, you know, whatever the cause of the disease, it does have ramifications often in memory. And we have to look at things, too. It may not be memory, by the way. It may not be memory that you're forgetting your keys. There's a lot of chronic conditions that create distractibility. And so when you really are confusing memory and distractibility, 
um, it, it's very important to understand that, that there's there a big difference. What, what, what is distractibility versus memory? For example, you walk in the house, uh, maybe like 8 million Americans or more, you're on the phone, you're dealing with something, you open the door, you go in the house, you turn off the alarm if you have an alarm, uh, you throw your keys down. Uh, two hours later, you need to go get something from the store. You can't find your keys. Right. That's the age-old. In fact, I have a confession to make to your entire San Antonio and maybe worldwide community, is I use the the incredible instrument called Tile. So, oh, you do? So, because, yes, I lose my keys all the time. And so my daughter goes and pushes the button for the Tile, and then she goes running around the house looking for it because it's playing some, you know, <laughs> hinky-dinky sort of polka. And, and she finds it, and she and she's so happy with it. So, listen, there's a lot of things you can do. And it started in the world of ADD and ADHD, which is something, obviously, is not age-specific. Kids have it. Adults have it. And there are a lot of things that people can do to ameliorate or create interventions around this, like making a list and, and just looking at books around ADD, even if you don't have it, because there's some wonderful, wonderful interventions that people can use that would give them more, if, I, if you will, stable footing, that it's not something worse. Well, we have a drawer and a desk in our front room. You walk in, there's a little hallway, and we always put our keys in that drawer, and that way you know where they are. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's great. I'm glad you can do it. But for one, I, I had the ADHD diagnosis, and I don't think it's abated much in, 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 um, in adulthood either. So um, I'm pretty used to living in his body. And so I don't get too wild and crazy when I forget my keys because it happened when I was 15 and it happens now when I'm 61. So, but I really believe that it's critical for us to be empowered by knowledge and, and not to get crazy in terms of, of, of spiraling down and making up our own stories. In fact, my friend Dr. Harry Croft, a psychiatrist here in San Antonio, will tell you uh, losing your keys and then finding them is no big deal. If you find them and don't know what to do with the keys, then you have a problem. Well, you know, that really is a critical point, Ron. In fact, people who lose their car, let's say, um, in a parking lot, happens all the time. Um, but, you know, if you, if you don't know then when you get to your car where, what to do and where to go, well, now you probably have something to go and, and actually have an assessment and evaluation. Um, I really believe, first and foremost, and I know that probably people will disagree with me, but I must say that before you go check and do an evaluation necessarily of, of your cognitive abilities and whether it's Alzheimer's or not, I really believe you should get a good therapist and be able to process these fears first. Interesting. I mean, because I think you have to be prepared to be able to accept the knowledge. Again, that serenity prayer is so critical. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Well, to really do that, I think you really have to go and find a safe place to talk, to get your two feet on the ground, to be taking care of your mind, body, and soul. And then, you know, if you need the assessment by a neurologist or, or your primary care doctor can maybe do some assessment for you, then go. But don't go unprepared. Make sure that you're, you have solid footing. If you've just joined us, he's Dr. Jamie Heisman. I'm Ron Aaron. If you're listening to Take 10, uh, Caregiver SOS On Air is the program. We end it with Take 10 every week. We're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. You hear us Sunday afternoons at 6 p.m. We're talking about fear of dementia, memory loss, Alzheimer's, 
uh, and how that affects so many people, not the disease itself, but the fear of that disease. I made a recommendation. uh, It went nowhere to local uh, grocery chain here, HEB, which owns this market. I said, you know what you could do and maybe ought to think about is in your parking lots, on every aisle, paint a strip down the middle. We never get snow here that would cover the strip. Paint a different color. So you get out of your car, you see it's the red, blue, green, yellow, orange row, and you don't lose your car. I think that's a great idea. It really is. So far, they haven't taken me up on it. Well, you know, these things are are important community things to get engaged and involved with. And get involved with the Alzheimer's Walk. Get involved with Caregiver SOS and the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Take part in these wonderful caregiver teleconnection series. These are reassuring ways that you can know that you're you're really okay. I think one of the greatest fears of caregivers, Ron, themselves is taking care of somebody who does have Alzheimer's, and they, for some odd reason, think there's a genetic sort of connection and see their own life right before their eyes. And I don't think anything could be further from the truth. We really haven't shown conclusively that genetic linkage, unless it's early onset Alzheimer's. And for those who are still worried and concerned, uh, there are some normal things. You're not a neurologist, Dr. Heisman, but there are normal things that happen as you age. Uh, you got so much stuff in your brain, occasionally you do forget things. Oh, you do. You do. And stress and anxiety, which is something we all can understand well, it just blocks the brain. And it blocks our real thinking in terms of... Uh, uh, you know, of being fluid and feeling comfortable. These are things that create the distractibility piece, which many people, unfortunately, because of the lack of knowledge and education and the great fear around Alzheimer's, um, really construe as, as, as the end of their life when it really is a natural, natural phenomenon. You know, our brains will obviously forget things over time, and this is the natural uh, progression of life. So distractibility, we began talking about that. Let's come back to it with about a minute left. Uh, Distractibility is a normal function of life. You just get distracted and forget what you're doing and forget what you did. Well, you do. And depression and stress and anxiety, these are all common conditions of humans across the country. Unfortunately, there's shame and stigma because people don't seek out help uh, help fast enough or quick enough uh, because of the issues. Uh, of shame and stigma, but I must tell you, they all are the pieces of the of the puzzle that create the distractibility that could be anything farthest, if you will, from Alzheimer's. Depression will do it all the time. And if you have real concerns, it doesn't hurt to start with your primary care physician. It does not. And make sure when you do that, have a parallel path to be, have a, a good therapist. Mm-hmm. Normally, your your insurance will take care of it. Dr. Jamie Heisman, thank you. It's been great, and uh, we appreciate the chance to talk with you. Uh, You have a great day, and uh, thanks for being part of Caregiver SOS On Air. Thank you for having me, Ron. Take care. Bye-bye. Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known psychotherapist, expert on addictions and caregiving. Uh, You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air right here on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. Presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. 
What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it, but with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But that. I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio and get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikoff. We come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 930 AM, The Answer.